what a treat, what a treat to have a band like this to lead us in worship. Man, they just, I don't know, I enjoy them more and more every time because I know their hearts are better than their music. And that's what makes our band so special. And I uh, appreciate, appreciate you guys very, very much. Thank y'all. Um, man, y'all have a good weekend? Yeah? I mean, I hope so. I hope anybody watch any good movies? No? Anybody listen to any good bands? Okay, yeah, well, you did tonight. So, I mean, if you didn't live music-wise, I mean, you did tonight. So, anyway, you know, last week we were talking about how music moves us. And, uh, and how that, it, it really just has a way of connecting with us in a way that is, uh, that's unusual uh, and, and pretty much unlike any other. You know, movies do similarly. You know, movies, there's this, especially a good movie that we really identify with certain characters in it, or maybe one character in particular, and then we just kind of insert ourselves into the role, and we insert ourselves into the movie. It, it does something to us, doesn't it? All of a sudden, we start thinking, you know, we're stronger than we really are. Uh, all of a sudden, we start thinking, you know, like we watch Gladiator. All of a sudden, we're an amazing leader, and we can just do amazing things, like, or like Braveheart, and we're just, we're, we're all, now all of a sudden, we're courageous. You know, or something like that, or you know, like maybe even Monty Python. Monty <laughs> <laughs> Python, and we we got our little coconuts, and we're you know riding our horse, you know, or whatever. It's just no, it's just man. Movies have a way of moving us, and we just they're good. And it, it, it's all you know. There's a there's a movie that some of you may be familiar with, Harry Potter. Anybody watch any of the Harry Potter stuff? Yeah, so, so if you've not watched the Harry Potter stuff, then you're not going to know who Snape is. If you have watched the Harry Potter, you understand the storyline about how Snape was thought to be evil. But come to find out later on, he was a double agent. What? I know, I totally just ruined the movie for some of you. He's a double agent actually working for good. You know what? Our story today about Jesus is really similar. Really, really similar. And these movies, you'll be able to identify things. You'll never watch a movie the same way again when you start to think about the Jesus story through the context of any and every great movie you've ever seen. They all follow the same storyline. They just look a little bit different with different characters and such. The reason the storyline is the way it is is because of the story of Jesus and humanity on this earth and how Jesus came to save all of us. You know, a lot of times when we don't have the entire picture of the story, we get misled sometimes, right? We're not ready for the turn. We're not ready for the, we're not ready for the, uh, the cliffhanger. We're not ready for whatever the case may be. You know, it's also true in our lives, the movies of our lives that we watch sometimes and we watch other people, we don't see the entire picture it can appear that what someone is doing is clearly wrong. It can appear that they're doing something and they are just selfish and they are just outside of line and they are just only to find out later on in life that because we didn't see the full picture, we actually misread the situation. Have you ever done that before? Where what you thought somebody was doing and they are parenting their kids in a way that those kids are going to be wild whenever they leave the house. Only to find out, oh my gosh, these guys are amazing. Right? You ever been there before? I know none of you have ever judged another parent on their parenting. 
I know nobody in this room has ever done that before. I have not either, so we're all, have our halos together, right? It's okay, we're, we're all there. But it's true, sometimes we can't see the whole thing. We can look and go, man, why are they not and fill in the blank? Or why are they and fill in the blank? The story that we're looking at today, there's criticism that Jesus receives. And this criticism is because people think he's possessed by Satan. I know you're sitting here going, man, and today, well, how in the world would somebody get confused that Jesus is possessed by Satan? Jesus did some things that made some heads kind of go, what? And he starts talking about eating his own flesh, and you got to eat his flesh, you got to drink his blood, and all that kind of stuff. That starts to make people kind of go, what? This is a little bit weird, right? Well, in this story we're talking today, they're saying that by the power of Satan, the prince of demons, he's able to drive out Satan. Now, there's some of you who are kind of going, I don't even understand. Well, it's okay. We're going to get there in just a moment. But what Jesus shows them in the criticism is that whatever their perception is of Jesus, they're wrong. They're not seeing the full picture. They're not seeing what's really happening in the grand scheme of everything. And so we're in this series, Criticizing Jesus. And you know, one of the things that we've talked about up to this point is we gotta be careful. We can't vilify the people who are criticizing Jesus. You know, because we can be guilty of these same criticisms at any time in our lives. And so we gotta be careful to not vilify them. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna look specifically at Jesus' response to the criticism. We're not going to focus on the criticism itself. We're going to look at Jesus' response because each criticism that Jesus has received, his response reveals his character. His response reveals Jesus' priorities. It reveals his authority here on this earth. And it also reveals the mission that Jesus was on as to why God sent Jesus to this earth. And so his response clears a whole lot of stuff up for us that we might we might be off base if we just judge a book by its cover. And so today we're in Mark chapter 3. So go ahead and get wherever, whatever way you use to get to the, uh, the Word of God, get to Mark chapter 3. And uh, this is the moment where Jesus declared war against the powers of darkness. This is a really cool moment in Jesus' ministry. Really cool moment where he just declares war against the powers of darkness and really uh, in a pretty cool courageous way says, I got this. Amazing. So now what we're going to study today is kind of the end of chapter three. So you kind of look, but if you want to skim real quickly, you know, beginning in verse one, you'll notice that as time goes on, as you're reading in chapter three, there's some things people are beginning to get really concerned about Jesus. Not only the people who are his critics, some of the people that are close to him, to him even his family, his family's beginning to get really concerned about him. And, uh, you know, we, we obviously, we, we understand why the critics who are concerned about Jesus because he's working on the Sabbath, he's healing on the Sabbath, he's doing these kinds of things. You know, they're worried about him. We get that one. But the family, the family's beginning to look at Jesus and go, man, I don't know. Something seems off. He's now driving out demons. He's now doing some things that, man, he's getting into some stuff that I don't, I can't quite understand. Now we pick up this story in verse 22. This is right after they're really kind of concerned he's out of his mind, all right? So Jesus, in this kind of moment, verse 22, 
The teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over, this is in verse 23, Jesus called them over, began to speak to them in parables. He says, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand and his end has come. So Jesus, yeah, he's, there's some things that are going, man, he's doing stuff. He's driving out demons. It's got to be Satan that's, that's driving him and all this. And, Satan, and Jesus is like, no, it's not that at all. So let's kind of back up just a little bit. See, there's three criticisms that Jesus is receiving throughout this chapter. The first criticism is that he's not thinking clearly. All right, so we just kind of know people are saying Jesus is not thinking clearly. Number two, um, they're, they're saying he's really not in control of his actions. There's some things that are happening that Jesus... We believe that he's been in control up to this point, but he doesn't really seem to be in control of his actions. And then the last one is, is that they're beginning to say that Jesus is not serving God. Jesus came as the Messiah, you know, and, and now there, there's this accusation that he's not serving God. So the question that we have to ask is why? Why are the people who are around Jesus starting to ask the questions like this, starting to think the way that they're thinking? Why do they think Jesus is becoming out of his mind? I mean, he's healing people and he's casting out demons, all right? This is a, a significant thing, verses 10 and 11. You know, he's not acting in a way that culturally is respectable because he's choosing to do things on Sundays that it's understood that religious leaders do not do on Sundays. But Jesus is doing these things on Sundays. Um, and so, so these experts of the law, these religious leaders, they're saying, well, if Jesus is not acting the way religious leaders act, um, but yet he's able to cast out demons, well, then there must be only one conclusion because he's not in line with the religious leaders, but he's casting out demons. So therefore, their conclusion is Jesus is now an agent of Satan. Well, this is a huge conclusion to draw. I mean, in fact, for some of the religious leaders, it's kind of like, hey, cool, now we don't have to fear quite so much of Jesus kind of taking over our power. Now we can declare war against Jesus because he's an agent of Satan. But Jesus is puzzled at this, and he responds very directly to the criticism. And for a man that who's said to have been out of his mind, he responds in this way that's really pretty remarkable. As he says, he says, how can Satan drive out Satan? How does this work? If there's a kingdom divided against itself, that kingdom's not going to stand. They're going to implode. The house is divided against itself. That house cannot stand. We've seen families completely, like, completely tank because there's division within the family. And so he says, if Satan opposes himself and there's division, Satan cannot stand. And the end has come to Satan in that moment. So Jesus is like, how can Satan cast out Satan? It doesn't work. I mean, heck, if Satan can cast out Satan, this truth be told, for Jesus to be doing this, it actually is a good thing for the church because it's going to kill Satan. But here's Jesus. And he's replying to these critics with a very logical explanation 
for why he's been doing what he's doing. And so in this moment, we see that this makes sense. When there's division, bad things happen. And Jesus is saying, clearly, I am not an agent of Satan. Clearly, I am not an agent of the prince of darkness. And so for us in this moment now in our lives, it's important that we focus on Jesus' response and ask this question. What do this criticism that Jesus is an agent of Satan and Jesus' response teach us not only about Jesus, what do they teach us about God? Because remember, Jesus is showing the way to the Lord. And so if we're traveling the journey of Jesus, what does the criticism, what does his response teach us about God? Now, listen to how Jesus describes himself in verse 27. This is right after saying, the house divided cannot stand. He says, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. You're like, what the heck does that have to do with a house divided? What does that have to do with a kingdom divided? What does this have to do? It's like, man, Jesus, you've lost your mind. You really have lost it. You're, this is how you respond to the accusation that you are an agent of Satan? No one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Absolutely. Listen to the genius of Jesus' response to be criticized for being an agent of Satan. See, the strong man in this verse is Satan. The strong man in this verse is Satan. His house and his goods are the kingdom of darkness. They're the kingdom of darkness. Or we can know it as this world that we live in. The ruler of this world, Satan. And guess what? Jesus is the one who entered the strong man's house. God sent Jesus from heaven to earth to enter the strong man's house. Why? Because he's powerful enough to tie him up and do whatever he wants. So Jesus is looking at this and he's just helping everyone understand. God sent Jesus into this present darkness and is completely powerful enough to tie Satan down and do whatever he wants with Satan's possessions. Whatever he wants. And so I'll ask the question again. What does this tell us about God? What it tells us about God is that God wants to set his children free because every single one of God's children live on this earth, right? In this present darkness. And God sends Jesus to this earth to set his people free, to set his children free. And what we learn from this is God is strong enough to set us free because Jesus has come and he has conquered everything on this earth, even death, he conquered. And so whatever darkness the enemy wants to throw your way, Jesus has already conquered it. Whatever darkness the enemy wants to throw your way, God has already overcome. And Jesus shines the light, just like the airplane lights down the aisle of an airplane, just to show the way. 
This is show the way to freedom. God wants his children to live free. God wants his children to live for him and to serve him. He wants, he wants his children to know who they are. Because the enemy would love, the enemy does not like you to know who you are. Because when you know who you are, power goes through the roof. Because you're not, you're not enamored by the things of this world. You look at the things of this world and you're like, yeah, you know, it's kind of fun, but it doesn't really rise and fall by happiness or my joy. Because you know who you are. And there's safety and security and there's steadiness and everything that comes as a result when we know who we are. Because in that moment, you can look and see where criticism really comes from. So Jesus shows us the way that this criticism isn't from a good place. The criticism, Jesus, Jesus is accused of being Satan. And he looks at that and he goes, that criticism is not from these people. That criticism is from Satan. And so you and I, we walk this earth and when criticism comes your way and problems come your way and people are talking bad about you behind your back, teens, I know that never happens in your world. But in the event that it ever happens in your world that somebody talks bad about you behind your back, that's not from your friends. It's not from a person. It's from the pit of hell. Makes you think about who's got control of you when you're the one talking bad about somebody. We gotta make sure that we are where we need to be, right? We wanna be who we need to be. God wants to set his children free. And God wants his children to be able to trust him with his circumstances. To trust with the situations that you find yourself in. Because the Lord is powerful enough to handle it. And you can trust him with that outcome. See, God sent Jesus to show the way to freedom. And then after Jesus' resurrection, the coolest thing happened. God gave us the Holy Spirit. Gave us the Holy Spirit in order to guide us and to show us. Because man, even though we've got the airplane runway lights and all that kind of stuff to show us the way, a lot of times what happens, we still try to veer off, don't we? We still try to go our own way every now and then. And we need the Spirit of God to kind of bump us back in, get us back on track back into the way. Y'all, no matter how powerful an opponent of yours may seem, no matter how convincing a person is in how they speak of you, where you're just almost believing what they say, even though you know it's not true, you almost find yourself believing what they say. No matter how strong your adversary may be, no matter how big the problem may be, Here's what we have to understand from this story. Jesus' response helps us understand the devil is the accuser. Satan, the enemy, is the real accuser, not the person accusing you. So we don't vilify the person. We understand where that criticism is coming from because the enemy is on this earth to destroy your life, to make your life on this earth a living hell. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul tells us, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The struggle is not the person. We've got to see beyond the person to the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's where the battle really lies. And I know you're kind of looking maybe at me tonight and coming one day, this is a little bit metaphysical, a little bit ethereal, a little bit out there. Now you understand why Jesus was being accused of being out of his mind. Because he's sitting here saying, the problem is not this. 
You're not the problem. I'm not the problem. Satan is the problem. The ruler of this world is the problem. The battle, the struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But the good news is that there's one stronger. Jesus says, I'll tie up Satan and just like a, you know, just like I'm, like we would wrestle a calf and tie him up or whatever. I don't know. I, I got him. No problem. Because there's somebody bigger, stronger, and more powerful who's on your side. That's how we can see through and not look at a person and go, you're my enemy. No, that person's not your enemy. It's the one that's, that's driving why they're doing what they're doing. That's the enemy. The person is not the enemy. But you have one who is more powerful, who is on your side, and that is actively working to free you. Free you from looking at that person and saying, you are my enemy. I will never be in your presence ever again. I will never give you another chance. I will never forgive you. You don't get grace. You don't get mercy. You don't get any of those things that I've gotten. Because the Lord is able to convince and to help us see, look at what, I sent Jesus for you to show you the way. I sent Jesus for that person too. I sent Jesus for them too. And now we get to show the way. We get the privilege of helping the runway lights show the way and show the path. You know, there's a, a quote in the movie, Usual Suspects. Anybody, Usual Suspects? Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Good one. Uh, there's a quote that says, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Golly, so good. The deceiver is so good. The greatest trick is to convince you that there's no agent of darkness, that there's no powers and principalities in the heavenly realms or that are here on this earth prowling around trying to devour people. It's the most amazing thing in the world that the enemy is able to convince people that that doesn't exist. The most powerful thing that the enemy ever did. Amazing. Now, in Jesus' day, what Jesus was dealing with and these accusers, everybody there understood that there were spiritual forces that were taking place. Everybody in this conversation, they understood that that was happening. But today, we got all these resources I mean, heck, you can ask any question you want about anything at any time to this little computer screen and get an answer to it, right? I mean, so in our world, it's like, man, whatever problem I have, I just Google it. You know, whatever issue I'm having, I can just ask. I can just get a YouTube video and find out how to solve it. You know, this physical realm that we live in here, it's, I got everything I need at my fingertips. I got this. And what ends up happening is we end up dealing with temptation, we face temptation, health concerns, we face problems, and it's easy for us to limit the scope of these to merely the physical realm that we live in, which means it's the here and now. I can just look at this, I can, I can fix it, or I can find the doctor that can, or I can find the attorney that can, or I can find the whatever that can, I can. And we begin to limit and start to think it's just in the physical realm. But we have to understand it's not. It's far beyond just the physical realm. There's a whole lot more going on than we can see. There's a lot more that we get prevented from in our time of struggle. 
than we can see. And there's a whole lot more that's happening on this earth attempting to pull your heart from the Lord than we can ever see. Remember, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's easy to see people as the problem. People are not the problem. I know it's what we say all the time in relationship stuff. You know, it'd be easy if it wasn't for all the people, right? You know, but people aren't the problem. People aren't the issue. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. This is why the Lord says, cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Because what is the worst that happens to you? You die, right? Tortured and die. What happens? Eternity in heaven. I don't mean to minimize. I don't mean to make it seem like it's not that big a deal. What I'm saying is, there is nothing unovercomable on this earth by our Lord and Savior. The enemy does not win. We are on the winning team. Let's live like it. Let's cast our cares on the Lord. Let's trust that the Lord will sustain us. And let's trust that he will never let his righteous be shaken. Jesus has declared war against the powers of darkness. Jesus is the only one. He's the one who entered into this present darkness and is powerful enough to tie Satan down and do whatever he wants with Satan. We can go to him in prayer anytime. Anytime we have need, we can talk to our Lord because we have Jesus. We can talk to our Heavenly Father and then we can trust God with the outcome. The question is, are we ready to let Jesus set us free? That's really the question. Or is it easier to blame people on this earth? Is it easier to blame a sickness on this earth? Is it easier to blame the difficulties that we face on this earth? Are we ready to let Jesus set us free? Father, I believe across this room, I believe on the internet tonight where we have people that are watching what's happening uh, in, our, in our conversation tonight. Lord, there are numerous people that desire for you to set them free. Lord, there are so many people that we long to be set free by the powers of darkness on this earth. And Lord, it's just easy to get convinced that Satan is not prowling around trying to destroy humanity. It's just easy to get lulled into this sense of security that what we're dealing with is we can kind of fix our own stuff. But Lord, there is so much more going on than we can see. And Father, I pray that through this story, as we see Jesus respond to the accusation, and he says, no, 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 Satan is not divided. Satan is very clear on the mission of Satan. The most powerful on this earth, but there is one more powerful, and that's you. So Lord, I pray that you help us to trust you. That, Lord, as we talk about the fact that Jesus declared war on the darkness and that Jesus is the light of the world, a city on a hill that can't be hidden, that's your bride, the church. Father, we long to let your light shine. 
And Lord, sometimes we get in the way. So Lord, I pray that you will help us. When we see people, Lord, that we see them the way that you do. And Lord, we don't look at them as the problem. We look at the enemy as the problem. We don't accuse people of being an agent of the enemy. We understand that, Lord, you have come to not only set us free, but Lord, you've come to set the very people who have vilified us free. Thank you, Lord, for the example of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the words of Paul helping us see what our struggle really is about. And Lord, I pray that you would set us free. Lord, that we would choose you, that we would see you, that we would trust you, because Lord, you've already won whatever battle we face. Thank you for being the victor. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.